Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. Damn, gentlemen, what a Saturday of college football we just had. And I, for one, am super excited to be here to chop it up with you guys, talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to Sports and Torch presentation of College Football's Last Call. Whether you are listening on the podcast or watching on the Jay Stein Law Firm YouTube channel, we greatly appreciate the support and glad you're here to spend some time with us. You know, guys, we've been doing this show for uh, about a year and a half, and we have started off every single episode with Georgia Talk. Well, due to overwhelming ask for multiple listeners, we're giving the floor to the senior senator from Buckhead, Mr. Jason Gans, to give an opening statement on the one and only Coach Prime. Senator, we yield the floor to you, sir. Yeah, it's for everyone's best interest here. I don't plan to filibuster. I keep, I'm going to keep this short and concise. Uh, the, the topic of the day, obviously, would be about the Colorado Buffaloes and Coach Prime. I said last week, if the uh, the Buffaloes beat the Ducks of Oregon, I would personally write Deion Sanders a uh, apology letter, and I would let our listeners critique it uh, on air. Uh, but fortunately, I didn't have to write that. So I'll just start this off because I've caught a lot of heat. I've been very out uh, outgoing about my disdain for Coach Prime. I like Deion Sanders, number 21, the great Atlanta Falcon, the great Atlanta Brave, one of the greatest athletes of all time, a fantastic cowboy, even with his shenanigans back there. My disgust and disdain for him relates to as a coach. And and some people think I'm crazy, and and, and apparently that's a very unpopular opinion. I'm not sure why. Uh, so I, I thought a little bit about this because I knew there'd be a little bit of pressure on me. So I figured nothing's better, you know. No, no soliloquy is complete without a uh, without a quote. So <laughs> I, I looked up my friend, uh, not personal, but Ben Franklin, a great American, a gentleman and a scholar, and he's got a fantastic quote. I, I didn't know this was attributed to him, but nothing is certain but death and taxes. Right? Ben Franklin didn't make it to the Prime Show. The the biggest certainty of this week was Prime getting his ass kicked, okay? <laughs> death taxes and Prime getting his ass kicked. I like it. So, so you know, death taxes and a quack attack, death taxes and insert your favorite dirty joke. Um, that's where I'm at with this. This was a, a virtual certainty. Um, but it wasn't just the loss. It, it, it was deserved humiliation. Uh, I, I did not watch a ton of the game. I did watch some. They were down 35 nothing at halftime. Okay, they're down 42 nothing. The the ducks about to die. He's doing push-ups. The Buffaloes finally score. Shador Sanders, Dion Jr., whatever his name is, Mr. Bling, you know, the the wrist for those of you who can't watch or aren't watching us, was sacked uh, six or seven times. Um the Buffaloes defense made Bo Picks look like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Buffaloes are outgained by 300 yards, right? The proof is in the pudding for this week. Coach Prime is not a coach. He's a caricature. He's a <laughs> WWE wrestler, as my friend Lawrence said. He is great entertainment. If that's what you're looking for, he's certainly entertainment. But if the goal is to build a football program, he's got an F-minus. Right? You're not going to do that through the portal. You're not going to do that with this 
you know, showmanship, WWE, The Undertaker. It doesn't work to build a cohesive football team. As, as uh, Logan Roy says, you know, you're not serious people, right? Let's go to another quote here. He's not a serious person, and, and, and he's not going to build it. Real coaches don't like him. Dan Lanning had some awesome quotes going into it. I actually wrote a couple of them down, all about quotes. Uh, his team is uh, rooted in substance, not in flash, and they're not fighting for clicks. They're, they're, they're fighting for wins. So th- that tells you everything you, have, you know. To, to really be a, a serious coach, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, pick you know whoever else you want. They're not spending hours on TV. They're not selling uh, sunglasses. They're they're recruiting. They're they're building a team. They're building a culture. That's not not what's going on there. Coach Prime needs to get used to getting his ass kicked because it's going to happen more often, particularly this weekend coming up. Lawrence, <laughs> let's let's say you in rebuttal to that, Lawrence. I mean, listen, Coach Prime had his reckoning coming. It was a good story. It was enjoyable. Um. I think he's good for the game because he draws eyeballs. He's good for ratings. He's a good mouthpiece. And I was, listen, I love Dan Lanning. I'm a big fan, friend of the show. Um, but let's be honest, he's fighting for clicks too. Did you not see how the, how Puddles the Duck came out of the tunnel with a cowboy hat and Coach Prime blenders? He beat up a clock that said, prime time's up. The duck's head fell off. I mean, they're all fighting for clicks. That's how they get recruits. So Dan Lanning was just playing the game a different way. Uh, but yeah, listen, uh, Coach Prime, he took a one-win team. He's gotten three wins. After this week, they're going to be three and two. They'll probably be lucky to win five games this year. It's a good story. It's fun. Uh, I hope Prime keeps running his mouth. But my favorite part of the whole week were all the memes and everything else that led into it in terms of like, oh, Coach Prime is uh, piping the Oregon fight song into practice. No, every uh, no, no stone is unturned. His attention to detail. And then the memes coming in of like, he's got a thing called a whistle. Attention to detail. Uh, yeah. The whole the whole week of it just leads up to great entertainment. And that's all I can ask for. Coach, so I, Pr- Coach Prime had his players stretching before practice. No stone left unturned. The only thing I'll disagree with you about is Dan Lanning is a serious person, according to Logan Roy. Um, yeah, I, I don't get too caught up in what the duck did, uh, but that guy's a good coach. And and he uh, his future, he could be in Tuscaloosa. At some There's point. already rumors about I'm him really being about the that, next yeah. man up for uh for Saban in Tuscaloosa. So, guys, so I, I think that uh, I think the coach prime story is kind of, kind of where it's, you know, get its way out of the the, the headlines. They're going to get their ass kicked again by USC this weekend. And that's probably the last we're going to hear from them. They'll win six, seven games, five, whatever, which is an improvement. But uh, I enjoyed that Gans, you know, bring in Ben Franklin to the podcast, Logan Roy, the podcast golf clap to you wearing the you. Jay Stein law firm t-shirt. I mean, my man is coming. Correct. Um, all right. So speaking of coaches, y'all mentioned some serious coaches. Our boy Kirby, a hundred games into his SEC coaching career, 85 and 15, the highest winning percentage, most wins of any coach ever in the first hundred SEC games. Uh, golf clap to him, tip of the cap to him. We love Kirby. This validates him on paper. Two natties. Um, God, we're lucky to have him. So uh UAB played out a Kind of how we thought. You guys thought it would be a, a 42 plus point win in a cover. I took the uh, other side, proven right over here. Uh, but I think it was uh, order restored a little bit. I thought it was a good game plan. thought we played well. Um, Lawrence, what's your takeaway from it? I thought that uh, the first first series of the game, we came out ready to play. Then we got a little sloppy. We, could, we put the ball on the carpet a few times. We had a drop punt. 
a couple wide open balls downfield that were missed. You know, we hit those. It's a 50 burger easy. Um, I thought Warren Brinson played a really good game on the defensive line. Brock Bowers is absolutely positively the man. Um, we came out after halftime, totally dominated the third quarter, and just in full transparency, I didn't even watch a snap of the fourth quarter. We were out in an event this past uh, this past Saturday night, the Make a Wish Ball. So I shut it down after that and didn't even rewatch it because there was no point there. Um, and listen, we are a good team. We're gelling. Uh, we still have some problems to work through on the offensive line, still have a lot of injuries. Um, but I think that we are still one of the top four teams in the country uh, without a shadow of a doubt, contrary to what uh, some of the talking heads are saying. Since we're all about quotes today, I'm going to quote coming to America as it pertains to <laughs> Brock Bowers. He good. Uh, the guy, when he's that on, boy he's good. That boy good. He's so much fun to watch. That wheel route was awesome. Actually, my favorite play of the game was when he absolutely just manhandled, stiff-armed some, some poor bastard on the sideline. Yeah, 19 was great. It Well, the score didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Um, the overall game plan, I think, was uh, a, sort of attributable to what we talked about last week. They let uh, Carson Beck air it out. The first play of the game was, what, 38 yards to Dom Lovett over the middle. He threw the ball quite well through for what 337 yards um some bad drops that those could be cleaned up right there's nothing to be really concerned about my only concern and i'm being a little uh hyper uh, hyper critiquing um carson beck a little bit is he does get a little nervous under pressure but again that's something again i think that as time goes on and he gets a little bit more comfortable he gets happy feet um uh, I, I think he'll improve there so there's a lot of people out there that aren't huge fans of Carson Beck, and I have slandered him a time or two in the private of my own home. I, I'm kind of past that for the time being. I thought Mike Bobo called a fantastic game. Um, a lot of creativity there, a lot of um, getting the ball all over the place. Offensive line looked better. I don't like giving up 21 points to UAB, um, but you know, two weeks in a row, and this is something they need to tighten up, they, they, we got scored on uh, by a two-minute offense. And that's something that needs to be tightened up. That that could hurt us a year. And but six for six in the red zone, uh, we out. You know, we had what two hundred fifty more yards of total offense that they did. Run defense looked good overall. A really enjoyable game, and hopefully it gives us the momentum to roll into next week. Yeah, Lawrence, you said that you missed the fourth quarter of the game. Um, I unfortunately missed the entire second half of the game. Um, I watched the second half or followed the second half on my phone from uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Uh, my son, Graham, 12 years old, got in a fight with a trampoline um, right before halftime um, at the game. Trampoline always seems to win. The, the, the kids always. never come out on the right side of that one. Undefeated. They're undefeated. Um, hurt his shoulder. Fortunately, x-rays all come back negative. But we rolled home from Choa about 2.30 in the morning. We came home. Uh, but I'm wearing my Georgia gear. And it's funny, like every nurse, every doctor, every receptionist, it's like, Go dogs! We love the dogs. I mean, everybody loves the dogs. That was uh, that was my Saturday night. But uh, I I went back. We watched third quarter. Same with you, Lawrence. Like no need to watch the fourth. Um, you know the two things that like uh, Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. I'm trying to say that correctly for the fact checkers out there. Tila, I try to say it uh, correctly. Um, he's our number one right now. I mean, he cl he clearly um, is out there. We'll see if McConkey comes back and, and adds some firepower. But him and Aaron Smith in the offense got some looks. Had a bad drop. Didn't like to see, but. Uh, he's out there, Brock doing Brock things. 
Um, you, you mentioned the, the red area, uh, Jason, which which prevented us from seeing our kicker. I would have liked to seen him getting a getting another chance uh, this weekend, maybe in a less pressure situation because with Auburn coming up and the, and the slate ahead of us, um, we're going to need him. So anyway, one quarter of the season away done. Four zero. Bring on the SEC slate. I'm happy. Mouth breathers are hating on some things, but I'm good, guys. You missed yeah, one. Listen, I think I think the critique of Carson Beck and of, of Mike Bobo. And the people are getting hypercritical of this team is just wildly uncalled for. Um, I, I think we, again, as I said last week, we are a young team. We are a new quarterback. We're replacing a ton of NFL uh, draft picks. We have a litany of injuries, and we continue to go out there, score 40 a game. Listen, we gave up 21 this week. Seven of them were in garbage time. Don't really care. Um, and we were missing our top two defensive players, our top three offensive players, and a bunch of others. So the people who want to find a reason to get angry, they need to get a life. You, uh, Josh, you blew it. Uh, you, you didn't mention the Chase Stein injury report with Graham's injured there. That was a perfect uh, <laughs> cross collaboration. You know what, dude? I just sometimes the brain isn't working fast enough. Um, I do have yeah, the Jay Stein. A seventh grader on the Jay Stein injury report this week. Yeah, so he his name's on there for the uh, preview of the Auburn game. That's what I'm talking about, the, the injury report. He is on there. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, I believe yeah, it. I, I, yeah, no, that, that's all good. So um, the other thing I'll say about the game is Trent Dilfer. I, I'm a fan of his. I thought he called a good game. I thought he's had his boys ready. He gave props to the Sanford Stadium crowd. He ranked it above a Super Bowl in terms of atmosphere. Um, good on him. All right, sticking with the theme of <laughs> – Go ahead, Lawrence. I'm glad you mentioned the one thing because also Alex Mortensen, uh, Chris Mortensen's kid, who's the offensive coordinator. Dude, that guy's a he's an up and coming star uh, as an offensive coordinator, future head coach, in my opinion. Yeah. I That's like that Dilfer Mortensen combo. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the the theme of the week seemed to be coaching just clowns. Um, the list can go on and on and on. I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to all of them, but I'm going to start with our boy Dabo um, because. Gosh, Clemson going the wrong direction. FSU going the right direction. That was the sucker bet of the week. My man Lawrence on tilt with these things. Came down to the wire overtime. Uh, Jason, Florida State taking over Clemson in the SEC. To, excuse me, in the ACC, it appears. Yeah. So the one good thing to come out of all this is we get a fa- quotes. We'll go back. Clemsoning is back. Okay. They, they officially Clemson that game. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. I watched a lot of that game. We, I, I met up with a uh, friend of the show, Garrett Nail, uh, to have a couple of beers and uh, hang out. Uh, Clemson dominated them most of the game. Um, they should have won. They turned over the ball uh, for a uh, what was it? A, a scoop and score, you know, for seven. Uh, they really sort of blew it in overtime there too. Um, we'll probably get into this a little bit more. Listen, Florida State on paper, has the two biggest wins, I would say, of the season. Uh, and the LSU win was probably a pretty good win, but is LSU that good? Um, they didn't look that great this week. They're definitely a beatable team. They will not go through the season undefeated. Florida State will lose a game. Clemson is out, by the way. Yeah, agreed. Clemson, Clemson's out, and and Dabo, Dabo's stubbornness has come back to bite him in the right. ass. Gans, yeah. agree with you 100%. Clemson 100% dominated that game. They got the ball. They were driving down to take a two-touchdown lead. Clubnick gets hit with a guy running right at him. It wasn't even a blindside strip sack. Like the, He had time to tuck it. Gets decleated. Ball ball gone. Um, FSU then ties the game. And then, you know, this, this wannabe Disney story with this walk-on remote school kicker comes in and just totally, you know, 
Shanks one wide left uh, with 30 seconds left. And then in overtime, they have second and one or third and one. And they throw some sort of crazy screen pass. Like Dabo's uh, res- resistance to use the portal, his resistance to use NIL. Like I, I don't think his shelf life is going to be much longer. Does he, does um, he not and, and, and the worst part about it is I got screwed on the sucker bit because it was the right pick. But Lawrence, does he not use NIL? I know he doesn't use the portal, which he, he might want to go find a kicker. Uh, but I, I, does he, are you sure that he doesn't use NIL? That I didn't. He said know. the only NIL he uses is God's name, image, and likeness. Yeah, is that legal? Can you do that? Can, can we get some sort of ruling? Is uh, is it true that this this Disney story kicker of his was eating crepes in Paris like two weeks ago? Like he was on some study abroad program. Uh, I don't know Paris? if you heard this on the broadcast, but he was taking remote classes in like Charleston. He was a week away from going to take his new job in Manhattan as some sort of intern. His boss said, "If you don't, if you don't go kick for Clemson, uh, I'll, I'll fire you." And then the boss was in the stands to watch him uh, miss the game. The game. I'm, I'm serious. I think he was in Paris like not but a minute ago, like on it's some kind of study abroad. It's like yeah. Kathy Ireland and uh, the Texas State fighting armadillos. He'd, he'd been better off with her. Jeez. Yeah. Um, all right. Man. Other uh, the other game that came out of the wire that was funny. Back to Choa. That that game. That fourth down conversion in the game was right when the doctor came in with the results from Graham's X-ray, and I had this like decision to make. I'm like, I kind of want to see how this play goes, but I kind of hear the results of this X-ray. So um, I don't know. Were we impressed with those two teams? Was it a slugfest? Was it just like? A good game because it was close and it was at night. I mean, I, I don't know. What do y'all think? So I think uh, I think Marcus Freeman lost that game for Notre Dame. Notre Dame had the ball um, with the ability to really uh, milk the clock. And instead of running, they threw an incomplete pass, which allowed Ohio State to save a timeout. They then used that timeout on the intentional grounding. Next play was third 19 down to the one. And then on – third and fourth or fourth and goal with no time left. Notre Dame rolls out 10 guys missing what I think probably is the most important player on the field, the defensive tackle on the right side, which is right where they ran to win. So um, I think uh, I'm not impressed by either team. I think Marcus Freeman uh, should be fired on the spot. And uh, Ryan Day, good God, if I was an Ohio State fan, I don't know what I'd do. That guy's an absolute clown. He tried to pick a fight with an 86-year-old man afterwards. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame is taking the old, you know, touchdown Jesus, the DD, to, to a whole other level. You know, uh, they, they could have put an 11th pin on the field there. Uh, two plays in a row, and Marcus Freeman, like, doubling and tripling down on it was just poor form. I mean, his his excuse was they didn't want to take the penalty, which would have given them half a yard because they didn't want Ohio State to regroup. Like, I don't know. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but when, you know, 10% or 9% of your defense is not on the field two plays in a row, that's got to be a pretty big disadvantage. You don't have to be a sabermetrics guy for that one. He told a bad lie. It's like, just say that you made the mistake because he, he compounded it by making you a second mistake that he actually knew it in real time and didn't take the penalty it's just ridiculous. You know, I was talking to an Ohio State fan today. They love Ryan Day. Thought he just stood up for the program and what Lou Holtz said was wrong and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you guys are living in some sort of distorted reality. Ryan Day is insane. I mean, that rant he did on poor Lou Holtz, who was asleep at the time. Like, you tell me Lou Holtz is up watching that that crap? Uh, outrageous. Speaking of other old men coaches, um, Saban got a good win. I mean, yeah, we were rooting for Kiffin. We wanted him to come in and make some noise. Uh, Alabama's still not overly impressive, but maybe they go back to the days of just play hard defense, 
run the ball, win low scoring games. They have no receivers other than yeah. Jay Burton, which isn't doing much. The quarterback sucks. Um, I think that's right. I think that that Saban style of ground and pound, slog through the mud. Um, they just don't have the quarterback to run the offense that we're used to seeing from Alabama the past few years. You know, I watched the first half. Milrow was, I mean, hot garbage. Um, they had the block punt first and goal from the one yard line. Had three straight plays backwards, uh, and then the second half, like you know, they just kind of they just kind of took the air out of the ball. Milrow made one good throw. Defense came to play, which was the first time we've actually seen the Alabama defense all season. Uh, the bigger question is, is was is Ole Miss? Are they just uh, smoke and mirrors up to this point? Because everyone was hyping them up a little bit. I watched a lot of that game. I agree with a lot of what you guys say. I'll take it a step further. Um, it just wasn't great football. It all kind of goes back to the theme of last week, which was parody. There's a ton of parody throughout college football. We don't need to really rehash that in the sense that NIL and the portal are really uh, doing that. But um, Ole Miss in the first half looked like the dominant team to me. Um, the announcers were terrible. Just the Georgia announcers are absolutely awful too. I'd rather listen to two two monkeys f than uh, these two sets of uh, um, uh, announcers. But Jackson Dart, I, I, you know, I watched a, a little bit of him. I forget which game it was. I thought he was pretty good. He didn't look great. He, he looked pretty poor in the second half. I was flipping between games. Uh, Bama's going to lose another game though. Uh, and Ole Miss, I feel a little bit better. I mean, could they get better as the season goes on? Sure. Um, but they're coming to Athens November eleventh. Right now, even though we're not clicking on all cylinders, it, they don't scare me. Honestly, there's not a team on the Georgia schedule right now that I'm I'm particularly concerned about. I mean, the hardest game would probably be at Knoxville because that's a tough place to play. We've got to assume it's a 3:30 game. Tennessee's going to have another loss before then. Also, all the wind will be out of their sails as well. Speaking of teams that might scare you, let me get y'all's opinion um, on the seems to be the new media darling of the week, Penn State. Um, had their whiteout. Destroyed Iowa, no offense to Captain Nate. I don't know how impressive that is to do. Um, Penn State, do they scare us? I mean, is it going to be the Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, like trifecta, and everybody's saying two of those three teams in the Final Four? What do you think about Penn State? They don't scare me. uh, I've only watched one game, and going into the season, there was a lot of hype, particularly around their quarterback, who they keep saying is the Josh Allen clone, and maybe he is. Legitimately, I've only watched one game of theirs. the game I watched was against Illinois. It wasn't great football. Uh, they've got to play, what is it, the, the Big Ten East. So those guys are going to take care of themselves. I haven't really seen Michigan play much. I've seen Ohio State play a little. But, again, a lot of parity. Nobody really concerns me all that well. Georgia has not been clicking on all cylinders, but there's not another team in the country that I'd rather be rooting for each weekend. And I'm not saying that from a emotional standpoint. I'm saying from the product that I see on the field. So uh, Penn State, they're automatically already on my list, them and Clemson and Texas Tech for uh, screwing the soccer bet so far this year. Um, from what I've seen of them, not too impressed. What I think is probably uh, the more the, the more of the story where he buried the lead is the fact that Iowa uh, laid a goose egg and Brian Ferentz uh, did not keep up his 25-point average. Iowa offense is setting the game of football back centuries, if not eons. Um, I don't know what they're doing there, that they can't find any sort of uh, athletes or or scheme or anything to get more than 40 yards of offense uh, in any given game. So I think that game is more on the fact that uh, Iowa just can't score. Um, 
than Penn State being good. Yeah. Good stuff, gentlemen. Good recap of the big games of the week. We knew going in there was a lot of good games, and they came through. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff to watch. So, uh, George has got Auburn this year. You know, we've been watching games together for 25 years, 26 years, which is just mind blowing. And I'd venture to say that the Auburn Georgia rivalry to me has probably been the most fun in terms of just moments and games. Um, it's kind of lost its luster a few years. We just keep kicking the crap out of them. Um, I expect the same this year. We're, we're double digit favorites, but going on the road, although in the history of the rivalry, usually win more there, right? There's that, there's that time was back and forth winning on each other's, um, away field. But, uh, Jordan Hare's tough place to play. 3.30 game. I, for one, am looking forward to it. Uh, Jason, you follow Auburn pretty closely. What do we? What can we expect out of this weekend's game? Lawrence had a great segue when he talked about 40 yards of offense. That's about what you could expect from Auburn's offense. They played three quarterbacks last week, and for all of you that listen, if you have more than one quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. Peyton Thorne looks to be hot garbage. Robbie Ashford, remember him last year. It was the worst showing in Sanford Stadium since Reggie Ball threw a fourth down out of bounds. I think Robbie Ashford actually did that last year. I'd have to go back and watch. Uh, their offense is putrid. I, I don't think they had 200 yards of, of total offense this past week. I watched the first – yeah, most of that game, actually. They kicked a field goal right before halftime. They scored 10 points. The other seven was on a scoop and score where Jimbo decided he was going to potentially tackle the defender that was running the ball back. Auburn's offense is terrible. Uh, their defense is okay. It, as long as we have a B-minus game or better, we should cover the spread. Funny things happen at, at, at away games, and you're right. Jordan Hare is a tough place to play. I, th- I hope we jump on them early and take the crowd out of this. I'm glad it's not a night game. I don't think it would make that much of a difference, but you know, take the crowd out of it in the first quarter. Yeah, we're all on the same page here. I, I absolutely love the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year, always has been. Uh, but in my preparation for our call today uh, and doing my research, I honestly could not, without having to look at the roster, I cannot name a single Auburn player. In the first time in my life, I couldn't name a single Auburn player. It took me to listening to Kirby's press conference say to hear Robbie Ashford's name. Um, you know, they they are they're struggling. Hugh Freeze in his first year, they were interviewing Hugh Freeze at his press conference today. He was actually shocked to find out that Kirby took the Bulldogs to the national championship game his second year. He was like, Oh, someone's got to go fact check that. I don't think that's correct. So Hugh Freeze, chalk him up, another coach who's just a bozo. Um, you know. We are the better team. We're double-digit favorites. The only thing that has gives me any concern whatsoever is first road game in a big SEC environment for check down Carson. Um, our kicking game is shaky. Uh, but, I, you know, listen, the number to me, 14 and a half, I think is it just strikes me as a little bit low. That feels almost a little bit sucker bettishy. I feel like this game is going to land right around the number, kind of like a 24-10, 28-14 type game. Uh, dogs win. I don't see how Auburn puts up 14 points based on what I watched. And unless we turn the ball over. I mean, um, maybe Kirby misses a tackle like Jimbo. You never know. Well, I was going to say, you got to give Hugh Freeze a little um, levity. Uh, his second year, I think it was 2017, he was uh, uh, up to his uh, up, up to his knees in, in other things going on, a lot of extracurricular activities. So maybe he forgot. Um, but yeah, he listen, I, I hate Hugh Freeze. I find him to be a charlatan. I've said that many times on the show before, but he's a better coach than Jimbo. I think he'll get that program turned around. It's a really hard job because you've got Saban to your west and Kirby to your east. 
they're not good. I looked through their wa- roster also, Lawrence. I knew Peyton Thorne was their their um, their starting quarterback and Robbie Ashford on there. There was like one or two other names that I even recognized. And I kind of followed recruiting and I didn't recognize any names. I mean, Smoke Monday's gone, who gets uh, targeting every time we play him. Tank Bigsby's gone. Uh, Owen Popo, he's gone. Like, I don't know anyone who's left at the, at the, at the Plains over there. They probably wish they had Bo Nix still, right? Okay. Um, I, I, I think this is the game where Georgia covers and covers big. I think the same reason why I didn't think we'd cover last week is the same reason I think we will cover this week. Uh, all right. Jay Stein Law from Injury Report for this upcoming week. We've got a big change. Looks like Lad McConkey uh, could have him back. He's been practicing. He's on, what, a, a two-week rehab, and this is the end of week two. Um, I'm calling it. See him on the field uh, on Saturday. Uh, Mikel Williams was sick last week and out. He'll be back. Get him his fluids. Uh, Bullard, I'm optimistic on him. He's listed as questionable, but I think we're going to see him back. I'm less bullish on Milton and Ron Burgundy. They're both listed as questionable, but I'm not so sure we're going to see them. And then my man stole it, but Graham Stein is also on the injury report for this week. Uh, it is, it is fall break for East Cobb, um, schools, which seems like we have fall break all the time. We're going to the lake. He is questionable for tubing activities, wakeboarding and water skiing. So, Hopefully by the end of the week, we will have him back and up and running. Um, all right. So good stuff. Uh, not as many good games next week. Game day is going to be at Duke to see Notre Dame, which is, and we've all discussed, like game day has kind of lost its luster too, but still, to me at least, interesting to see where they fall. Uh, Lawrence, sucker bet is on a losing streak. We're rooting for you, buddy. I do think it was the right call last week. Dabo screwed you, but come on, man. The, the guys out there need some winners, guys and girls. Give them a winner. You got to get it right. So game day is at Notre Dame Duke. Yeah. Really? I had no idea. That's a sad, sad state of affairs. Which by the way, Lawrence, they announced it um, right as as Notre Dame was was uh, on that last final possession. The Notre Dame lost. So game day totally jumped the gun on that one. Uh, so the game day mush, the game day mush came through. Um, so that game actually opened up. Notre Dame opened up as a two point favorite, which I was about to jump all over as a sucker bet and take Duke. Uh, it's now up to five and a half. So people are starting to pound Notre Dame a little bit. Um, I will say I am uh, I'm on the struggle bus right now with a soccer bet. Uh, I, I'm starting to pull some resources. I'm starting to uh, ask external sources for some names and ideas. I have a buddy of mine who opened up a uh, one of those uh, subscription uh, gambling websites who seems to do very well. Um, it's Bet Life Sports. A Sounds like Lawrence plug. is the sucker. Lawrence is the sucker with that sucker. Bet. A quick, a quick plug for Bet Life Sports. <laughs> but I, they haven't given me any picks yet for the weekend. But where I'm going with my sucker bet of the week right now, and let me tell you, this is off very little research, and which means it's going to be a winner. Um, the the UW Huskies right now, again, the darling, the second darling of college football outside of Penn State. Currently, I have an average margin of victory of close to 33 points, and they're going on the road to play the Arizona Wildcats, who I think are pretty shitty. It's a 17-and-a-half-point line. So I think the public is going to pound the Huskies. They're the media, darling. Everyone loves them. Michael Penix Jr. uh, is a Heisman favorite, and I think that the Arizona Wildcats cover the 17-and-a-half. I'll roll with the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. You're you're a fan. You're a fan of the you're a fan of the Phoenix. Just be careful pronouncing his name every time. Lord, you need to consult Bob's guy. Bob has a guy that uh tan. Give- in a tan? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> go, go to him, Swami. Are you trying to tell me Alex the Greek isn't a reliable source? Because I beg to differ. 
Arizona. Hey, do you know this is a football game, not a basketball game? Loot Olson is not coming through that door. Josh, I'm just excited for a little Pac-12. Was it uh, Pac-12 at dark? Yeah. Um, while we're at the lake on Saturday night and uh, and watching Arizona roll in with a backdoor cover late late into the uh, morning. So I've got the Huskies plus 17 and a half. Nick Adams. Minus 17 and a half. That's sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huskies given 17 and a half. Our, our, uh, the last call administrators won Nick Adams. And uh, please notate that. Yeah, now, the the other game, the other games that I thought were interesting, you know, USC is minus twenty one and a half against uh, the Buffs. They should lay it to the Buffs. Um, so maybe Colorado. I mean, USC does not have the defense that Oregon does. I mean, maybe Colorado has some sort of you know cover and only loses by twenty. Um, but there weren't a ton of games out there that were really jumping out. You know that game? I, I found maybe. You guys realize that that game, it's the big noon kickoff. Of course, we're still on the Dion Hyde train. Hopefully, he sells more sunglasses. That game is at 10 a.m. local time. Outrageous. Sounds terrible. What's that called? Eggs and kegs? I guess. They're going to have fun. That's called a half full stadium, is what it's called in California. Couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, we had to huddle to come up with a candidate or two for the Jimbo of the week. I think the opposite is this week, man. I mean, I'm sitting here yesterday thinking, like, where's my where's my boy going to go with this? Because there are so many options. There's some obvious ones, uh, but I am waiting with bated breath to see where, what direction you go with this. You know, I, listen, I wish I could give you some more suspense on this one. We've named all the top three candidates already. We couldn't have not covered them. And you're right. There are a ton of options. But, look, I, I'm going to go with the top three because it would be malpractice not to pick – these three the first is Jimbo uh for, for going on the field and and the uh Auburn defender actually ran in between him and the sideline and the and Jimbo look, Emeritus I love it by the way how what, what was that all about like he was on the field like he was not just on the field they have a get back coach the guy was seven yards on the field I'm, I'm surprised that a uh, an Auburn player didn't throw a block on him. Didn't deck his ass. It would be rightfully so. And just the dumbass look on his face. It doesn't matter. They won the game 27 to 10. But that was just, I mean, someone really could have gotten hurt. Uh, him. And I don't know if anyone would have been upset about that. Most Mostly Texas A&M fans. Um, second, well, again, we talked about him as well. Marcus Freeman. I mean, how do you not call a timeout? Or, no, I'm sorry, you don't have a timeout, but how don't you take the penalty? You've got to get your players on the field. There's not a lot of things that are just literally fundamentals of football. You get 11 players. It's not like hockey. No one's in the penalty box. You're able to stick some fat ass out there, stick them in the middle, and maybe you get a stop and win the game. That, uh, that in any other week, would probably have won it. But this week... There's no place else to go but Ryan Day. As the kids say, his speech afterwards was cringeworthy. I was physically uncomfortable listening to it. Uh, I listened to it about five or six times. I listened to it again today. His voice, he, he sounded like a teenager whining. His voice was at another octave. And what he was saying, the anger in his voice over some bullshit that Lou Holtz said on the Pat McAfee show, and he didn't even say anything all that bad. He was like, we're the better team, and we're the better team because of X, Y, and Z. Saying how disrespected they are. I, I know what he was going for. He was going for the fake juice. But but talking about how tough they are from a guy that has whined for nine months about a hit that Javon Bullard put on Marvin Harrison Jr. is is irony at its best, hypocrisy at its worst. You, sir, are the Jimbo of the Week. And if you pull one of those again, we might have to change the name of the award. You're actually the asshole of the week. Pardon in, my French. In the words of Lawrence Kessler. I mean, nailed it. That, that uh, one, yeah. 
you know, I mean, you had to go that direction. I mean, yeah. he was he was the worst of the worst, the the cream of the crop, so to speak. Um, outshined all those guys, including Dion. I mean, Dion could have very easily gotten the award too. Uh, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't make the stage. He didn't, yeah, he didn't yeah. make it to New York for the finals. And it's, but point, similarly, it almost reminded me uh, in a much more cringeworthy way of uh, where McCarver at. Where McCarver at? Uh, Ryan Day was. You know, he tried. He literally, he literally wants to pick a fight with an eighty-six-year-old man who's just calling it like it is from his home in the villages. He's unhinged. He, that rant was unhinged. He made the serial killer, Jim Harbaugh, look like the sane one in, in the Big Ten. Do Same. you think that the uh, beard dye is penetrating and leaking into his brain? S- something. If I was an Ohio State fan, look, I wouldn't be thrilled with a seven-point win at Notre Dame at the last second, um, and I would not be thrilled with that asshat as, uh, as my coach. Three-point win, right? I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, even worse. Sorry about that. All right, um, listen, guys. Good times. I hope that week five brings as much fireworks as week four. I hope that we come in here next week five and zero dogs, and uh, just keep this train rolling. So appreciate you guys out there listening. Um, until next time, as always, go dogs and keep chopping. Later, boys. Take care.